Interesting. Your journey began on Craigslist. How did you get started? Um, started off when I was 15, and uh, I traded the phone for a iPod that I I got the phone for free from my buddies. Traded the iPod for a series of dirt bikes, and then you traded for a MacBook Pro, right? Yes, I traded for a MacBook Pro. Okay, and then you traded for a 1987 Toyota 4Runner. Yes. So then you traded for a souped-up golf cart, right? Yes. All right, then you took that, and you traded for a 1975 Ford Bronco. Uh, yeah. And then you traded that for the Porsche. Yeah. You're getting an awful lot of stuff, and you keep trading up. What a great and terrific story it is. Good morning, everybody. Hope you guys are having a good weekend so far. My name is Clark Jeanette, and I help lead our young adults college ministry here at the Medina East Campus uh, New Perspective. It's such an honor and a privilege to be with you, with you guys this weekend. We're continuing a series that we've been in called Trade Up, exchanging our dreams for bigger things. I love the fall. I'm looking forward to today. I know the Steelers and the Browns are playing later, so uh, if any Steelers fans are here, I'll make sure to pray for you. And uh, just really looking forward to continuing this series, though. If you or somebody that you brought with you is here for the very first time, thank you so much for being here. Um, last week, we kind of started a brand new conversation. We're in a brand new series called Trade Up, Exchanging Our Dreams for Bigger Things. And so here at Grace Church, we go through series. We pick a topic. We talk about it for a couple weeks and still we run, until we run out of things to say about it and we move on to something else. And uh, last week, we started this brand new series called Trade Up, Exchanging Our Dreams uh, for Bigger Things. And the basic premise that, that we're saying throughout this whole series is precisely this. Uh, real broadly put, you know, we, we kind of asked, like, what is, it, um, what is it about us that we, we think to ourselves, you know, if you're anything like me, maybe you think this. You think, what is the purpose of my life? What is the significance of me being here on earth? Does my life has, have a meaning? And so we, that's the real broad way of looking at it. And then we shrunk it down a little bit more. And then we asked, what is the one thing in your life that if you had it, not only would life be worth it, but you would be worth it. And for some of us, maybe we're not even aware of what that thing is. And then, we, then I asked another question. I said, what if, what if I told you that that thing was just a good thing, but not your everything? And then we asked, would you be open to the possibility that maybe, just maybe, our dreams are too small? And maybe God has something bigger for us, far beyond our imagination, far beyond our creativity or innovation. And as you can see in the bumper video, it kind of gives you a snapshot of the article that we read last week. And um, we read an article about a 17-year-old kid from California, uh, Stephen Ortiz. And what he did is he used the bartering section of Craigslist to trade up an old cell phone. He swapped an old cell phone up for an iPod Touch. The iPod Touch up for a series of dirt bikes, a series of dirt bikes for a MacBook Pro, the MacBook Pro for a series of cars. And eventually he traded up for a 2000 Porsche Boxster. It's a pretty impressive story, fascinating, but we said, figuratively speaking, of course, what if our dreams are like the old cell phone? And what if, what if the dream that God, that Jesus has for our lives is more like a Porsche? And we said, would you be open to the possibility that maybe our dreams are too small and maybe God has something far beyond our imagination? So that's what Trade Up is all about. And so last week we kind of started out, it was a little bit of an introduction and we kind of laid the foundation of what Trading Up is all about. And so last week's message title was Trading Up Short-Term Loss for Long-Term Gain. And the Bible kind of gave us a window into the life of the Apostle Paul. And I kind of gave you guys a window into my own personal story about how I came to kind of know Jesus 
And so last week's the message was trading up short-term loss for long-term gain. Today, I want to continue this conversation with you guys. And uh, today's message title is this, trading up human striving for the healing Savior. Trading up human striving for the healing Savior. So if you've got your Bibles, go with me to Matthew chapter 19, which is on page 689 in those black Bibles there in front of you, in the chairs in front of you. And if you don't own your own personal copy of the Bible, we encourage you to take one of ours. We'll make that a gift from us to you. And if you're a digital person like myself, you want to use your cellular device or whatever, um, if you have an iPhone or iPad or tablet, you can go to the App Store and you can download the Grace Church app. Just type Grace Ohio. And then if you get that app downloaded and you tap on the Live tab, it'll get you to the scripture that we're going to be in today. And you'll have an opportunity to take notes as well. So I encourage you to do that. However you get there, Matthew 19, we're going to be breaking in at verse 16. But before we do, let me just pray for us as we continue this conversation. We just ask God to lead us and guide us. I just want to be able to serve you guys to the best of my ability. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the people in this auditorium here this morning, God. God, we've just come before your throne of grace. And God, I just say thank you. Thank you that you've given us meaning, that you've given us purpose that our lives are not random, that you've strategically, sovereignly placed us where we're at for a specific reason, God. The people in our lives and the people in our sphere of influence, God, it's, it's not random. Lord, I ask that you would lead us and you would guide us as we continue this conversation of trade-up, exchanging our dreams for bigger things. I ask this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, last week I kind of gave you a window into my own personal story And I said this, I said that I had a dream when I was about 18 or 19 years old, and my dream was to be a famous rock musician, and and that dream was was not rooted in the right things. That dream turned into a complete and utter nightmare, and uh, if if you didn't get to hear that, you can catch up on our website, medinaeast.graceohio.org, and and listen to those podcasts, but... um, Long story short, you know, I kind of got caught up with the wrong people, the wrong places, and the wrong things. And uh, in pursuit of that dream to be a famous rock musician, I kind of started using drugs. And you know how that goes. When you start using drugs, you know, drugs start to take you. And then uh, I remember I, I found myself in a really desperate place in life, and I came to see the hope of Jesus to my advantage. Uh, but I'll never forget this one day. I was sitting inside of my mom's uh, office. She sells insurance. And so I was sitting inside of her business office, and, and then my dad came in. And I thought it was really weird that, that um, you know, he came in during, because I'm like, Dad, shouldn't you be at work? And uh, I never, I'll never forget, like, they just sat me down, and it was, it was like my intervention, okay? So I don't know if you've seen that show, Intervention, on A&E, but it, that's basically kind of what it was. And they just kind of sat me down. I'll never forget, they were able to look past all the pretense, all the smoke screens, all the fluff, all the camouflage, and they, they were able to, to see what was really, really going on. And uh, it was in that moment that they were, they were able to kind of look at me and, like, read my soul like a book. And in that moment, I felt completely and utterly exposed. I felt completely exposed and yet completely loved at the same time. And I remember them telling me, we know what you're doing, and if you don't kill this thing, then this thing is going to kill you. And why do I share that with you guys today? Because we're going to look at a passage today. I want to share the passage with you guys today. I think some of us really need to hear. Because when God exposes the truth in our life, it's because he wants to draw us back to his grace. 
And that's my prayer for you today. That's my hope for you today. And so we're going to be looking at a passage in Matthew 19. We're going to be breaking in at verse 16. And let me just kind of tee it up and give you a little bit of context. Jesus has just left Galilee, and he's on the other side of the Jordan now. This is his public ministry. And he has just had a conversation with the religious teachers of the law, the Pharisees, about what is lawful with uh, divorce. He has an interaction with some people. They, ask, they say, Jesus, will you come lay your hands on these children and p- pray for them? And so he does that. And now he's going to have an encounter with this uh, rich young ruler. It's called the parable of the rich young ruler. And we're going we're gonna to have a, and yet another window into a, someone's trade-up encounter. And so break in with me, if you would, at verse 16. Verse 16. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Let's just pause there real quick. Now, he asks, what good thing must I do? And that word do is, is a problem for Jesus because he's like, I don't want you to have to do anything. You don't have to climb this ladder to be okay with me. And he's, he's opposed to this. And if you read Matthew chapter 5, it's Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. It's a complete critique on that religious mentality. But watch what happens next in verse 17. Verse 17 Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. He says, All of these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus says, He answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell all your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. You see, in this time, in this culture, people were under heavy Roman oppression. You had you had the aristocracies on this side, the people who who had wealth, who had everything, and then on this side you had the poor people, you had the peasants, the people who had nothing. They groveled, they worked long, laborious hours, and and they had hardly anything. And so Jesus is basically looking at this guy and he says, well, if you, if you say that you've kept all the commandments and if you say that you love your neighbor the way you love yourself, you're saying, I love these people the way I love myself. He says, sell all your possessions, sell all your wealth, all your land and give, give that to the poor and then come follow me, come be my follower and you'll have riches in heaven. And notice his response in verse 22. He says, when the young man heard this, he went away sad. Because he had great wealth. And what we see here is that Jesus has exposed the truth. Jesus just pulls the, grabs the corner of the blanket and throws it back. And he says, there you are right there. And it was in that moment he was completely exposed. And so what we see is the law of God has done its work. And I think in order to understand this passage, we, we have to understand what the law is. Notice how Paul explains the law in Romans chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. Paul puts it like this. It says, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. And so he basically says... He gave us the law to follow, but we couldn't keep the law. And so 
if you think about it this way, think of the rich young ruler. He's like, yeah, Jesus, I've kept all your laws and your commandments ever since I was a child. Actually, I haven't kept your commands at all. I can't do it. In verse 20, Paul says, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sins. Some of your guys' translations say we have knowledge of our sin. Well, here's the bottom line. Why would, why would God give us the law if he knew that we couldn't keep it? Why would God give us the law if he knew we couldn't keep it? Because he wanted us to know that we are in need of a savior. We're in need of a healing savior. And he knew that we couldn't keep it. So here's, here's what I think we see here in this passage. There's two misconceptions that I believe that the rich young ruler had. Two misconceptions that I believe that we could have too if we're not careful. And here they are. I just want to unpack these real quickly for you. The two misconceptions are precisely this. We tend to underestimate the goodness of God. Is the first misconception. We tend to underestimate the goodness of God. And here's what I'm talking about. God is perfect. We cannot even imagine anything or anyone that is like that. It's unparalleled. And so here's what we do. Because we're finite beings, we, we project our own thoughts onto what God would be like. And, and, and so we think to ourselves, well, I know if I was God... I would be like such and so, and I'd put, all the good, I'd put all my good deeds on this side of the scale, and then I'd put all my bad deeds on this side of the scale, and then if all my good deeds weigh out all of my bad deeds, then I'm in. And if all my bad deeds weigh out all my good deeds, then I'm out. And see, what we do is we construct a God with our religious mentality, and we fill in the blanks, and what we have is a, is a God who stands substantially below who the real God is because we underestimate the goodness of God because God is absolutely perfect. And so that's the first misconception. The second misconception of the religious mentality is this, that we overestimate the goodness of ourselves. We overestimate the goodness of ourselves. And here's what we do. Once again, we say, well, if I was like God, then I'd be like such and so. And I would put all my good deeds on this side of the scale, and I'd put all my bad deeds on this side of the scale. And, you know, I think I'm a pretty relatively good person because, you know, I've, I've done some stuff, but, you know, I've never killed anybody. I mean, I've done some stuff, but I've never killed anybody before. And so we think to ourselves, well, I'd be over here, and then Hitler and Genghis Khan, they'd, they'd be over here. And what we've done is we have overestimated the goodness of ourselves. This is how Paul puts it in Romans chapter 10. He lays it out real nicely. He puts it this way. He says, since they did not know the righteousness of God, underestimating the goodness of God, and sought to establish their own, overestimating the goodness of ourselves. They did not submit to God's righteousness, Here's the bottom line. Romans 10 verse 4, Paul says, Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. That's the bottom line that we're in need of a healing savior. So what is this passage trying to tell us? What should had this young ruler done? Well, we know what he did do. He walked away sad, he walked away grieved, and he walked away in sorrow. But what should he had done? 
We should have just been like, Jesus, I can't keep the commands. I'm too selfish. I could care less about those people. And Jesus would be, yeah, now you're starting to see what you need to see. And now you can have eternal life through me. If we would humble ourselves before the grace of God. But he didn't do that. He walked away sad and grieved. But notice what Jesus says to his disciples. Jesus says to his disciples in verse 23. He says, and Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. His disciples, watch what happens in verse 25. When his disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished. And they asked, well, who then can be saved? They're like, well, if they're, if, they're, if they're not going to heaven, then who is? Because they would have thought that all the, the aristocracies, the people who, re, who had all the wealth, who had everything, were the ones who received God's blessings. And the people who groveled, the people who lived under the tyranny of Roman oppression, who had absolutely nothing, who was on the verge of starvation, says these people were the ones who were not receiving the blessings of God. And so they're like, Jesus, if they're out, then who's in? And notice what Jesus says. In verse 26, Jesus looked at them and he said, with, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Jesus says, it's nothing short of a miracle that anybody can enter life. Because we're all covered in wrongdoing. He says, anybody that comes to have internal, eternal life in, with me, it's, it's a miracle. With, without God in your corner, you have no chance in the world. He's like, but if you have God in your corner, you have every chance in the world. And so notice what happens next. In verse 27, Peter answered him, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? And I love what Jesus says. He says, Jesus said to him, truly I tell you at the renewal of all things, when the son of man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. He's talking about judgment. Verse 29, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields, for my sake, receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. What's Jesus talking about in verse 29? Jesus, are you trying to tell me I'm supposed to have more than one mom? I'm supposed to have a hundred moms. You're trying to tell me I'm supposed to have like a hundred dads. He's talking about the body of Christ. Guys, don't miss this. He's like, your rewards, they begin right now. And some of you really need to hear this because for some of us, we grew up without a mom. For some of us in this room, we grew up without a dad. For some of us, we grew up without any brothers or sisters. Jesus says, come be my follower. Your rewards will begin right now. And he says, you grew up without a dad. When you're a part of the body of Christ, you got a whole lot of dads. You grew up without a mom? When, you, when you're a part of the body of Christ, you've got a whole lot of moms. You see how that works? Guys, this is why we push life groups so much at Grace Church. I can't tell, we've heard it a million times, right? People, people always say, man, if you just knew, if you just knew the situation at my house, man, if you just knew how dysfunctional my family is, and if you just knew the things, the environment that I'm around. But man, when I come to Grace Church, those are my brothers and sisters. Those are my mothers and fathers. Or gosh, man, when I come to your life group, man, those are my brothers and sisters, man. I feel so accepted, so loved. Jesus says, your rewards. He's like, they begin right now, buddy. 
And so Jesus says that the people, the body of Christ, they will step up to the plate and they will fill those roles for you of mother and father and sister and brother. And then he's like, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you relationally and I'll take care of you materially. Ask not your heavenly father what you need to eat or drink. He already knows about all that. He's going to take care of you relationally and materially and as frosting on the cake, eternal life. It's not a bad deal. I think that's something worth pondering. I think that's a trade worth making. But it doesn't just end there. In verse 3, he says, But many who are first will be last. Many who are last will be first. Jesus says, when we get to heaven, we're going to be pretty surprised at who's there. The people that we thought were pretty awesome are going to not be so awesome. And the people that we didn't think were that awesome are going to be pretty spiritual people. So apparently, we're going to be pretty surprised when we get there. Well, guys, that's, I think that's helpful but do you guys really want to know what this passage is trying to say here? You really want to know what this passage is saying? I want to show something with you. I've been told you should never preach a sermon unless it has changed you first. And I just got to be honest, guys. This has changed me. I want to share something with you. And I think if we really believe the words that Jesus says here, that our lives could never, never be the same. I want to show you how this same conversation, this same talk shows up in Mark's gospel. And Mark inserts something that is so profound and so staggering. And I want you to, I want, don't miss this. I want you to catch this. In Mark's gospel, we find Jesus has the same talk. And you know that part where he says, go sell everything and come be my follower? Notice what Jesus says in Mark 10, verses 21. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. He says, one thing you lack he said, go sell everything you have, give to the poor, you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. Did you notice the difference? He says he looked at him, and he loved him. He says he looked at him, and he loved him. Guys, that's not in Matthew's gospel, but that is in Mark's gospel. Guys, this changes everything. Jesus didn't just look at the rich young ruler. He looked at him, and he, and he read his soul like a book. He looked at him and he loved him. He was completely exposed and yet he was completely loved. And he says, this is your real cancer. This is your real monster. He says, at face value, we think this is the problem. He says, there's something deeper going on here. If we really want to understand what this passage is saying, we have to look at it in its context Nowhere else in the Bible does Jesus ask somebody to give up all their money like this. Not even Zacchaeus. But in this passage, he uses a drastic measure. Why would he do that? He approaches it the same way that you would approach a family member or your best friend who is struggling with alcohol or gambling. He says, this is your cancer. If you don't kill this, it's going to kill you. He says, have, have you ever considered that your life is spinning out of control because you're not giving me control of your life? Deep down, there's a power struggle going on between us, between, between our dreams and the dreams that God has for us. Jesus says, you're not putting me first. You're not willing to put me first. He says to the rich young ruler, be willing to live a life without money. He says to Abraham, be willing to live a life without a child. He says to us, 
Be willing to live a life of singleness. Be willing to live a life without a job promotion. Be willing to live a life without being the most athletically talented person. He says, be willing. He says, destroy the psychological umbilical cord. Be willing to walk away from everything. Be willing to walk away from anything and everything. He's saying, I can see the real problem here. He says, your dream is not rooted in in my son, Jesus. And any dream that's not rooted in Christ will turn into a complete and utter nightmare. He looks at the young ruler and he was completely, bless you. He looks at the young ruler and he was completely exposed and he was completely loved. He looks at you and he says, you're completely exposed and you're completely loved. That's what this passage is saying. He says, I look at you and I love you and I don't condemn you, but I know what's really going on. I can see past all the pretense. I can see past all the smoke screens. I can see past all the camouflage. And when we really get down to brass tacks, if we're really honest with ourselves, he says our lives are spinning out of control because we won't give God control of our lives. And that's what this passage is saying. He says, be willing to walk away from everything and anything and come follow me to have riches in heaven. Eternal life through Christ. That's what, the, that's what Jesus wants for me. That's what Jesus wants for you. That's what this passage is really saying, guys. So that's my hope. That's my prayer for us. And guys, you guys remember at the beginning when I was, when I was talking to you about that drug intervention that I had with my mom and dad. And uh, it was a really turbulent time in my life. Guys, if you forget everything I say today, I want you to remember this. There's, there's three things that I believe that we have to do in order to trade up in this way, to trade up for the healing Savior. The first thing, I think it's the hardest thing, is to admit. It's the same way. Think of it this way. Jesus would tell the rich young ruler, young man, your problem is not that you're lacking any goodness. Your problem is that you're not willing to admit that deep down you're really just not good. And that's the same problem that I had. It was really hard to admit that. And sometimes we live in denial. And so admitting, it's, it's the hardest part. But then secondly, I think we have to embrace. I think we have to embrace the healing Savior. And, and, and we just see him for who he is. He's the man on the cross. He's the man who says, I became sin. I, I knew no sin, but I became sin on the cross so that you might become the righteousness of God. So we have to embrace. And then lastly, it's not a have to. It's actually, a, it's a get to. We get to inherit. We get to inherit the body of Christ. We have eternal life through Christ. And we have riches in heaven. And, he's, and Jesus is our riches in heaven. And Jesus says, you are my riches in heaven. And he says, that's the most exhilarating, most enthralling, most captivating thing. He's like, that's way cooler than fitting into the right dress size. He says, that's way, way cooler than having a bunch of friends on Facebook. He says, that's way, way cooler than just being really athletic. He says, trade up. Aren't you tired of human striving? Aren't you tired of climbing the corporate ladder for that promotion? Aren't you tired of trying to keep up with the Joneses. He says, trade up for the healing savior. He says, I want to heal you. He looks at the rich young ruler. He says, you're completely exposed and you're completely loved. He looks at you and he says, you're completely exposed and you're completely loved. I want you to have riches in heaven. I really believe if, 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 if we believe what Jesus is telling us, I think that our lives could never be the same. And I want that for you. At this point in time, I want to just ask the band to come up. And as they do, I just want you to imagine with me, guys. Imagine what this could look like if it became a reality in our life. If we were to admit 
embrace and inherit what Christ has for our lives, what could that look like? If we would be willing to just walk away from everything and not rely on our own self-sufficiency, but we trade up and have dependency on God, on Christ, and what he has done. He has come. He says, I have not come to abolish the law. I have come to fulfill the law and give you life, give you life abundantly. We've got to trade up. I think it's something worth pondering. I think it's, I think it's definitely a trade worth making. So I'm going to pray for us, and the band's going to play. And, and as they do, I just want to ask you to, to, to ask yourself, what is that one thing in my life that if I feel like I had it, not only would life be worth it, but I would be worth it? And just know that Jesus looks at you, and he says, you're exposed. You're completely exposed, and yet in that same breath, you're completely and utterly loved. Let me pray for us. Jesus... Lord, thank you so much for every single person in this room today. God, thank you that you've given us a purpose. Thank you that you've given us hope in the gospel. Lord, thank you that you had not come to, to, come to abolish the law, but you had come to fulfill the law. And that, Lord, we can only obtain righteousness through you and your sacrifice on the cross. God, I ask that we would be willing to be open to the possibility that our dreams are too small that you have bigger dreams for us, God. Help us to put a stake in the ground today and be willing to admit, embrace, and inherit riches in heaven. I pray this in Christ's name, amen.